Have you ever spent time with someone and walked away convinced you just experienced history in real time? That is the way I feel when I speak with Cecilia C.C. Tucker. And today's conversation is no different. As you listen in, you'll hear how she was actually there, live and in person, during so many historic moments. She is a walk-in legend, and she has so many stories that will inspire us to use our gifts and talents, get out and vote, make a difference in the world, and so much more. You and I have known each other for a number of years when the Platinum Group partnered with the Urban League, and we did a series called The Women of Power. And you were on that committee with me as well as one of our amazing speakers. So I wanted to be able to share that experience with our audience. Thank you for saying yes. I wanted us to start with uh, you just sharing with us What was it like for you growing up as a little girl? Well, the first thing you should know is that I'm 83 years old. (laughs) So amazing. I have um, lived through the era of Jim Crow Mm. and my life was influenced growing up by Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. I happen to have been blessed to have two parents who were educators. My father was a school principal and my mother was a second grade teacher. So during those years, they did everything they could to prevent my sister and brother and me from experiencing all of the things that were going on as far as Jim Crow is concerned. Everything was segregated. Mm. And if they could prevent us from feeling the hurt or confusion Because of that, they would. So they prevented us from going to movies uh, because in the little country town where I spent most of my school years, Mm -hmm. the only way you could go to see a movie was you had to go up the fire escape on the back of the building and then you sat in the balcony. Mm. And my father just said, no, you all are not going up there. The only time I really got to go to a movie theater was when I was in Richmond, when there were theaters that were specifically designated for Blacks. So we could go in front door and enjoy the movie. The same thing was true about the town where I I was born, and that's Martinsville, Virginia. Mm -hmm. There was one theater in the town where Blacks could go, and of course, we walked through the front door. So Those are the kinds of things that were going on at the time that I grew up in South Hill, Virginia. Mm. Because of Jim Crow, there were so many things that children today can do that Mm -hmm. I didn't dare think of doing. For example, I could not go to a library, a city library. My parents got books for us to read. However, because my father was a school principal and we lived Across the street from the school, he would go over there and allow us to go into the library and read books. And he would allow children in the community to come to the library and read books in the summertime. When I was about to go to college, uh, well, of course, he took me when I went initially. If I were to leave 
Virginia Union, which is in Richmond, and come to South Hill on a bus, mm-hmm. I would have to go by way of uh, Greyhound. Now, if I were going from Greyhound to Richmond, there was a little building in the back of the bus station where Blacks went to buy their tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father would never allow us to go into that building. He would do that. He would go into that little house with a little hole where you stick your money in Mm -hmm. and a little window where you talk to the person on the other side. And that's where we got our tickets. He would buy the tickets. But for us, we sat in the car until the bus arrived. He would never allow us to sit in the little waiting room, which was not really more than just a few chairs in this room. Mm. And it was always dirty. So we sat in our father's car until the bus arrived. Of course, the schools were were all Black. There were no white children, white teachers. Everybody was Black in the school. And they poured into us everything that they had. And of course, being a Black school, we didn't have the resources that they had in the other schools. And so the teachers would go out and buy things from their pocket and take care of whatever it was that we needed. Inside of school, we just, you know, had our own community. We enjoyed each other. We had lots of fun. Mm -hmm. But I remember so well being told constantly that you've got to get this. You've got to know this because you have to be better than. There was a higher standard of excellence that they were calling you all to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually I became a school teacher, but <laughs> I guess I mimicked a lot of what I, I learned in the classroom as a student mm-hmm. when I taught my own students at Booker T. Washington High School in Norfolk. While I was in that classroom, there was no foolishness going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the teachers rarely had to discipline a child for misbehaving in class. Somehow or the other, they would have our full attention. And as a result, you know, we did very well. It was a country town and a lot of good, productive students grew up in that little country town and went on to college. They produced a lot of good students. You said constantly your father would not allow you all to experience or to do certain things that were the result of Jim Crow at the time. As you think in retrospect of your father, what do you think about his determination that his children would not experience those things? Well, that was just the nature of my father. Um, Mm -hmm. In every aspect of our lives, there were things that we had to do. For example, we had to go to church. (laughs) (laughs) I remember in one little country town where we were living at one time, we had to go to Sunday school, we had to go to church, and then we had to go to BYPU, which was, I don't know, it was a youth group that met after church. I mean, and then on Wednesday, we had to go to prayer meeting. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, a lot of kids, even now in homes where Uh um, Christian living occurs, they had to do that. But That way, we learned a lot about what was expected, the principles of life. Yes, my father grew up himself in a family where uh, there were Christian principles and the like. And so Mm -hmm. it carried over to his own family. 
Absolutely. I am very blessed, I believe, that I had that kind of upbringing. When those things are going on, you don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) You think, wow, wow. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but but looking back now, I am so happy that he was like that. What was it like for you when you got to that next chapter in your life and you were ready to go to college? You know, I was expected to go to college. That's just the way it was, I guess, coming out of the home that I came out of. And also, I have to tell you to go back a little bit further. Mm -hmm. There were 10 people in my mother's family, my mother and nine siblings. Mm. And of that family, all, all but three had some education. Wow. My mother would be in her a hundred or so today. So that tells you how long ago that was. Wow. Um, And the same is true for my father. He had a sister and a brother. And of the three of them, two of them are college or were college educated. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a little different. But back in those days, I think education was important in a lot of families and they did everything they could to see to that their children did that. I found out also that in my mother's family, early childhood education was experienced through a boarding school in the town. And really? That's right. And my relative, I mean, my, my aunts and uncle, one uncle, went to that boarding school. So, and my pa- grandparents, I don't know how they saved up the money to do that, but they did. I won a, a scholarship to Virginia Union. And my father was a graduate of Virginia Union. And so he was very, very proud. But then I found out most of my friends were going to Virginia State. And I, I'm, I, I wasn't good with that. I wanted to go where they were. And he said, no, you, my, this is my dad. You said you were going to accept the scholarship. And I, I'm sure he was happy that I did. But, <laughs> But you, you are going to go to Virginia Union. Virginia Union was a private church-supported school. It didn't have all of the amenities that, you know, you found at Virginia State. And when I got there, I just cried my eyes out because Aww. the expectation of where I would live was certainly not what I saw. <laughs> I, <laughs> the, the rooms... <laughs> left a lot to be desired. But I will tell you, after being at Virginia Union for four years, I am just so happy that he put his foot down and said, you're going to go to Virginia Union. And so, and then I have a granddaughter who went to Virginia Union because I talked so much about it here. Wow. At home. And so she made the third generation because growing up as the daughter of a school principal, you had to be on your P's and Q's at all times. You could not embarrass your parents in any way. Going off to school gave me a little bit of freedom. Mm-hmm. Not only that, I think I was also interested in having um, a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> because when I was in high school, <laughs> the boys didn't want to come anywhere near me. <laughs> because <laughs> they were scaring my daddy. but at Virginia Union I just became a social animal I guess you would 
every time there was a dance or a party or whatever it was, I was right there. <laughs> I loved to dance, and so I would go to the dances and what have you. Right. And there, of course, I found a boyfriend or two. But uh, <laughs> I ran into something at Virginia Union that I had not encountered much of at, in high school, and that is, in high school, I would stay up as long as I could to make sure that nobody got a grade higher than I, I had. But when I got to Virginia Union, I did work hard to get a good grade, but there are some people who didn't have to work hard. They just went to the parties and went to the dances and go in and take the test and got an A. You know, I found out that I couldn't compete with those people. <laughs> You know, because some of them, they were just naturally gifted. Mm -hmm. I had to work for mine. And I graduated from Virginia Union with honors. I was a biology major. And I chose biology because I had in my mind that I wanted to be a physician. Wow. Well, my father discouraged me because Mm -hmm. at that time, to become a physician as a Black was rare. Not Mm -hmm. rare, but you didn't have a lot of of that. And not Mm -hmm. only that, a Black woman. Mm-hmm. Well, he said to me, see, you need to add some education to your curriculum. And so I did do that because almost all of the people in my family who went to college, they were school teachers. And so I, I, I ended up being a school teacher. I shouldn't say I ended up because that was a, a great career to have. Mm-hmm. But while I was in college, a lot of wonderful things happened. Every year we had what was called a week of prayer. Virginia Union being a Baptist supported school would have such events. Every year we would invite some famous somebody to come to the school and talk to us for a whole week. Well, would you not believe uh, Martin Luther King came to our campus? Unbelievable. Yes, he did. He came to our campus. Clinice, we were just thrilled to have this outstanding Baptist preacher at the Union. <laughs> and uh, he talked to us. He spoke with us in various settings. And then the final night, there was a reception. And it was held in my dormitory because we had a large lobby area. Mm-hmm. We just decided to ask him if he would autograph our Bibles. Most of the girls went upstairs and got their Bibles. And he signed my Bible together with Coretta Scott King and what? the president of Virginia Union at the time, Dr. Samuel DeWitt Proctor. They all signed my Bible and I have it to this day. And I was talking to one of my classmates who lives here. We were talking about that time that it happened. And she said, Cece, I didn't, I didn't have a Bible, but he wrote on my napkin and I still have it. Oh, that's so Isn't that great. amazing? And of course, later on, uh, toward the end of my, well, it was even after I finished, I went to the March on Washington. You did? You didn't know that? I, I did thought, not know that. Oh, I was there. <laughs> yes, I was. Not only that, but I kind of organized some of my friends and we drove up to Richmond. And Clinice, I have never, ever seen so many people in my life. My I goodness. mean, coming from every direction you could imagine. And not only that, but some of them were very famous. I remembered Harold Belafonte. Oh, 
I was there when he gave the uh, I Have a Dream speech. And of course, at the time, we all just applauded. You know, we thought it was a great sermon. Right. (laughs) (laughs) A black preacher. And he's speaking about, you know, he had a dream and all of this stuff. Lo and behold, look how how what the, what that what that speech means today. Absolutely, I was Absolutely. just so so happy to be there. I remember we see Jesse Jackson. Oh, I can't na- name them all right now, but they all of those people were there, and it was just an uplifting event. How did you feel in that moment? Sort of like surreal, I guess is how I could describe it. Mm-hmm. But there he was, and there was that speech, and there were all of these people screaming and applauding. It was a wonderful event, and it's one I will never, ever forget. Mm. And then, of course, we did the sit-ins at Virginia Union. You know, they had two big stores in Richmond. Let's see, Tallheimers and Mill and Roads. Mm-hmm. And one of the seminaries, that a white seminary. Uh, they joined us with picketing. We picketed those wow. stores and we sat in. We sat at on the on the lunch counter, at the lunch counter. You know, and people spat on you and they shoved you and all of that kind of thing. And I remembered when we started doing that, my daddy called me and he said, you stay out of that. You're going to get yourself killed. You, you stay oh. out of that. Stop. Don't you do it. Well, you know me. <laughs> I didn't listen to it. <laughs> I did. I, but I didn't get as involved as some of the others because the television cameras were always there. And those same television stations that were shown in Richmond, mm-hmm. they showed what was going on in my little country town. And I did not... <laughs> So I was running from the TV cameras. (laughs) But it's interesting um, the way we were trained before we did that. There were people on our campus who taught us what to do and what not to do. So we were taught never to uh, retaliate. Mm -hmm. So if someone uh, struck you, you know, you just did not retaliate. You didn't do anything. You turned other cheek, in other words. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if I could do that today, Clemise. Was that hard? Very hard. Even though you were trained, even though you were trained to do that, were you afraid? And how did you overcome your fear? There is strength with a crowd. Yeah. And there was always a crowd of students. Mm -hmm. We would sit at the counter with books. We, We tried to distract ourselves from what was going on, the people pushing and shoving. I have friends who went to jail. Mm. I'm not so sure how my daddy would have uh, <laughs> handled that. <laughs> That's right. But when the word was out that these kids had been uh, taken to jail, there were paddy wagons, as they called them, filled with students. They raised money. People in the community, as well as students, mm-hmm. raised money to get them out the next morning. It was a very interesting time. And I'm happy, so happy that I was a part of that. But as I said, <laughs> My daddy didn't know that until he was all over. And what was his reaction when you told him? Like, Lord, have mercy. (laughs) I mean, I love this because you 
were even at that age focused on civic engagement, Mm -hmm. making a difference, recognizing the sacrifice that you all were making for people like me and generations to come so that we could have some of the opportunities that we have today. You were a teacher, but education was not the only place that you made your home along your professional journey. Yeah. You know what? And I want to I want to go back to where we talked about my being a teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, When I finished Virginia Union, I was going to be a teacher. And so I applied to the Norfolk Public Schools because in that day and time, my parents did not want me in a place where I would have to have an apartment. They wanted me to be somewhere that I could live with relatives or friends, still being very protective. Right. And so I had several teachers, uh, several relatives who were teachers here in uh, Norfolk. And so I came down and was interviewed by the woman who was in charge of school personnel. And after the interview, she said to me, Miss Talaferro, that was my maiden name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, but. I don't have anything at Booker T that I can offer you. Well, Booker T was the only, only school in Norfolk where a Black could attend school or teach school. Mm-hmm. I just said, well, thank you. And I was about to get up and she said, just a minute. And she picked up the telephone and called the principal. And she said, um, I know you don't have any openings at Booker T for biology, but I have a woman here in my office. And I don't want to lose her. So I want you to make a place for her. Well, Clanice, silly me, I didn't know that that anybody would, you know, have a problem with that. But they did. (laughs) Even the principal, when I went over to meet him, he said, I just just don't understand. He said, a man came to me this week with a family. He needs a job. You're just out of college. You got a job because they want you. So she really, what she had uh, proposed before she, she did that is she said, I can offer you a job in a junior high school. And then when something opens at Booker T, I'll just move you right on over. Well, I didn't believe that. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be a junior high school kid. That's why I just said, thank you. And I was about to leave when she offered me. And so I am so happy that I got that opportunity at Booker T because after uh, I got the job, my daddy knew all about Booker T. Washington High School. You know, he was a principal. He was aware of what was going on in Norfolk and the schools down here. Mm -hmm. But he said there was a woman who lost her job who was teaching at Booker T. Washington High School. And that woman protested because the salaries were not equal for Blacks as they were for whites. She protested. (laughs) And as a result of that, she lost her job. And he knew all about it. And it turns out when I got to Booker T, she was my department chair. That lady was your department chair? Yes. Her name was Aline Black Hit. Oh, was, my goodness. She was something. She had gotten her job back by the time I was there. You got there. But um, she had been through all of that. So you see. I just have had so many examples of people doing the right thing and mm-hmm. getting things done. 
As a matter of fact, uh, the Freedom Riders, I have several friends who left Virginia Union to ride uh, the buses. What? Yeah, I did as Freedom Riders. And one opportunity that I had at Old Dominion was to bring back that one of those Freedom Riders to Old Dominion so that the students could meet him. And his his wife was fired. I've forgotten how the incident occurred. Somehow or the other, they thought she was doing something. She worked for the federal government. And mm-hmm. somehow or the other, it, they pulled her over. She was driving somewhere down in Georgia. They pulled her over and asked her some questions and whatever. And they fired her right there. And it was on camera and all of that. But she was married to this freedom rider. And so wow. we were able to have both of them come up and talk to us. You know, people got a feel of, you know, what other people have been through and what it was like to be black and have to stand up and take all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, there's another thing I need to tell you about my dad. Later on, when the schools were desegregated, he became a junior high principal. My, my dad had been the head of his school always. But when they desegregated the schools and the white and the black schools came together, my father had more experience and more education, but they made the white principal, the, the head, the senior principal. Uh, he always said I, that he would never do it, but guess what he did? He had three children to educate. And so, uh, you he know, did he followed his pride and, and did what he had to do. Wow. So just lots of things like that uh, occurred that had encouraged me to get involved and do what I could do to change things in Norfolk when I was here. And so I joined a lot of groups. I worked with Mrs. Vivian Mason. If you ever heard of her, Mm -hmm. you probably haven't. You're too young. She was a community activist and, oh, I just loved her and got involved with a lot of things that she wanted to do. She wanted to expose Black children to things that they couldn't get in the public schools and so forth. And so they started an organization called the the Norfolk Committee for the Improvement of Education. And so she brought in speakers and uh, entertainers. Oh, it was just marvelous. We just learned so much and the children Mm -hmm. learned a lot. Mm -hmm. So I got the fever from her and she is really the one who is responsible for starting the Urban League of Hampton Road. Wow. Yeah. She pulled me into that and I got to be on the um, founding committee. I wanted to share a couple of experiences that I had with voting. That's great. I wanted you to share that because as we talk about civic engagement, I think one of the very important roles that we have as citizens of the world is to get involved civically in our communities. Please share your voting stories because I think the more we humanize it, the more we can recognize the power and the importance of this opportunity we have to make our voices heard. So when I came to Norfolk, I had just turned 21 Mm -hmm. and I needed to register to vote. And I was living with my relatives in Norfolk County, which is now Chesapeake. I went down to Great Bridge to register to vote. So I walked up there the front door, knocked on the door, and the gentleman in a very rough and abrasive way asked me, what did I want? I said, I'm here to register to vote. 
Well, you can't come in the front door. You got to go around to the back. Black people were still under that guise. So I went around the back and walked up some narrow steps and ended up in his kitchen. And that is where I sat down to register to vote. In his kitchen. In his kitchen. And Clonice, I had to read a section of the Constitution and interpret it. That was the way I had to. It was it was a literacy test, in other mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. That is the way I had to register to vote in Great Bridge. And I was writing on the paper that he gave me and I had run out of space and I asked for another piece of paper and, oh, he yelled at me and why do you need this? Oh, he was so mean. The window to his kitchen was open and the person who brought me there overheard him talking down to me. And he said, come on out of there, girl, come on out. So I left. But I was about to get into trouble because I, you know, I have a way of talking back. My mother told me (laughs) not to talk back to those people, you know, because they'll hurt you. Right. This person told me, come on out of there. Come on. Because I was getting ready. I was getting into it. Mm -hmm. So I did leave. So that was one experience. But I want to also share that about three or four years ago, I got a telephone call from my niece who who lives in Maryland. Mm -hmm. And there was a television program where they were talking about voting. And I don't remember who was voting at the time, whether it was local or whether it was national. Mm -hmm. But she, she saw it. It turns out that there was a woman from Martinsville, Virginia, where I was born and where my father had been very active as uh, uh, an educator. Mm -hmm. She was close to, I would say, about 100 years old. And she was telling this story about when she was living in Martinsville, there was a a gentleman, a a professor, what they called them back in the day. And she said every Sunday, that gentleman would meet at this church and tell us what it took to vote. And Clonice, I didn't know it at the time, but they had a picture on this TV program mm-hmm. of my father standing <gasps> up there. Oh, How about my that? goodness. And you know what? That was before we had all of these voting issues, local issues. Mm-hmm. We told them what it took and what they needed to know. My father did that. Amazing. And I was so proud when she shared that video with me every year. We look at that. They somehow the other they they bring that up. The lady died this past year, and I oh. did get to talk to her. You did. Yeah. My sister and I uh, went on a conference call and talked to her in Mar- in in Maryland. But that's what happened when she was Martinsville, and I was just so proud that my dad did that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I love both of those stories. So, with the gentleman that you basically had to take a literacy test in order to register to vote. What happened? Did you have to go back to register? No, I passed the test. You did pass it. Yeah. But the day that I was, and (laughs) I think it was, I'm pretty (laughs) sure uh, we were voting for uh, John F. Kennedy. I went to vote and they couldn't find my name. And I just knew that this man had done that to me. (laughs) <laughs> but I sat right there until somebody could come up with it. And they finally did find it. Wow. That was the first time I voted or could vote. Exactly. And it, it all happened because of 
what that man did to me. But anyway, that's the way a lot of us had to do things in order to get them done. I want to tell you one more thing that I like to talk about it when it talks when it when I talk about teaching. So I did yes. my student teaching in Richmond. Virginia Union was located right next door to Maggie L. Walker High School. Guess who was in my homeroom? I just like to tell this story. Who was in your homeroom? Arthur Ashe. No! He well, was he, in your homeroom? He was in my homeroom as a student teacher. Uh, you know, I was not employed there, but I did my student teaching. And of course, I had to meet <laughs> Our students in the home. Who, who have you not met, Cece? Who have you not Arthur, met? <laughs> Arthur Ash was in my homeroom. Not only that, but I, I had an aunt and an uncle who were tied into the same tennis association that Arthur was. This is when I was at Virginia Union. So in mm-hmm. summer, I would go to summer school and I lived with my aunt and uncle during that time. Mm-hmm. So they would go out to the tennis courts, especially where Arthur's father was in charge of the recreation center. Right. So I got to hit balls back and forth with him. <laughs> I am you know, speechless. He was, he was just a, a scrawny little guy. You, know? <laughs> you didn't know he was going to grow up no, to be the Arthur Ash. He finally was, but one of my best friends. Uh, in college. Her husband and mm-hmm. Arthur were best friends growing up. So anyway, I've had a, a, a rich and wonderful life. I got to work at Booker T. Washington High School where we had nothing for me. The books that we had had Norview High School, Grandy wow. High School, all those names written in the books and the kids had written all over them. But that's what the Black schools got. Got. You know, I was a biologist but uh, we didn't have a one microscope in a whole department and we had to share that. It was just awful the way they treated us. But guess what? We made it work. And yes. about the last year I was at a Booker T. Washington High School reunion. They introduced a young man that I knew I met while he was a student at, at Booker T. And he got in a full ride to Harvard. I mean, and that was over 50 years ago. Well, I love this time with you. I, once again, have been inspired and reminded of the journey that we are still on as a people of color, even as citizens in this world of helping to create a better place for all of us to be able to thrive and to grow and to develop. And you have lived an amazing life. Each of us has an opportunity to pull something from your story, to help us to move forward in our story, to act even in the face of danger or when we're afraid, to really appreciate the legacy of the people that created opportunities for us to get where we are to have the opportunity to bring people together in amazing ways for amazing opportunities to really allow each of us to get to know each other and to grow and to develop from each other. What an amazing legacy. And I just appreciate you for spending time with us. How could I do a show 
called the Platinum Passport Podcast without talking about exploring our incredible planet. I love to travel. And if you're like me, you really enjoy hearing about great travel locations and experiences. That is why our guests have an opportunity to share their own travel log to tell us about their travel adventures. What has been your favorite destination? And when you travel, what is the travel accessory that you have to have with you? (laughs) Favorite place that my husband and I traveled to together Mm -hmm. was Montreal. Maybe it's because I was pregnant at the time and I was carrying our first child, but it was just such a beautiful place to be and great experiences with food and language and love because he was just so happy that, you know, we had a baby coming and no matter where I go, I have to have a newspaper. Even though you can get it online, it's nothing like having that paper in my hand. That's right. That's true. My father insisted when we were growing up that we read the newspaper because he said, when you get out here, you need to be able to speak intelligently about what's going on in the world. I love that. Okay. Three more questions. Your favorite traveling companion, you can pick more than one. Your love, family, friends, yourself, or other? Myself. Oh, I love that. I like to do lots of things by myself. Mm -hmm. I like to stop by myself. I'll even go to a restaurant by myself. I like me. How sweet is that? That is great. The next one is, what is your travel ID? How would you identify yourself as a traveler? You can choose more than one of these two. As an explorer, chill and relax, an adventurer, culture craver, or foodie? Chill and relax. (laughs) Even though the Virgin Island, St. Thomas, it's picturesque and just beautiful. And that in itself, just by itself, is the Mm -hmm. relaxation that I need. The environment, what I see, the water and so forth, that's all I need to relax. And I love it. That is wonderful. So last question, based upon our conversation, your stories, your own personal experience in life, if there was something that you could tell our audience, something that you'd like to share to help us to really savor our own life journeys, what would that be? Be still and listen to God whisper in your ear. And I say that because that's what I do. I listen to hear what he leads me to do. And I have not gone astray because of that. I do believe that this journey that I've been on for these 83 years, that he has ordered my steps. Mm. And I have listened to what he is saying to me. I was telling somebody the other day that I have lost my mother, my father, my sister, my brother. I'm the only one left in my family. I'm the oldest of the children. When I lost my sister in 21, she was the last sibling. And then I just asked God, so what do you have in mind for me? What am I left here to do? So 
I continue to listen. And wherever he leads me, I try to follow. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. One of the most poignant stories in the conversation with Cece was about her experience as she registered to vote for the first time. It is a reminder of the gift that we have as American citizens to vote. I am passionate about encouraging people to vote, and it is my privilege to do the same for each of you listening. Whenever you have the opportunity to allow your voice to be heard by casting your ballot, do so. Your voice and your vote matter. Your platinum passport has been stamped. I look forward to having you join us at our next destination.